Let's be thanking God. Dear Lord, we are grateful for your kindness to us and not just making a world in which we can live and choose, but also paths to take that are good for us and are holy before you. We'd ask that we would understand your goodness. In your son's name we pray. Amen. Well, I was... <laughs> I have to confess something. We had a bunch of people over last night. I say bunch. Around 20, I guess. By the time all was said and done, they trickled in and they trickled out. Somewhere during the conversation, we were talking about, this loosely, we were talking about... Uh, people who use the magical approach to the scriptures to get guidance, you know, open to a page. That's what I'm supposed to do. Wear green today. So what did I do this? And I was against it. I, I took a strong stand. And then this morning, I opened my Bible, and there was the passage I was going to preach on. <laughs> I, God was being, you know, humorous or something but uh, that's what we're in Matthew 22 right at the end of 22 going into the beginning of 23 when you look at that section Christ goes through a bunch of prior right prior to this passage um, the taxes to Caesar, the, uh, the resurrection question out of the Sadducees, the great commandment, all, like three paragraphs prior to this, there's, it's like the forklift backed up or they drive up to you and drop the thing on you. So when it says, verse 41, now while the Pharisees were gathered together, Jesus asked them a question saying, what do you think of the Christ? This is sort of, I, when I read that, I realized how, how self-conscious that, you know, the Christ is the Christ. He knows he's the Christ. And he's asking a bunch of the people that he has called out of antiquity, who do you think the Christ is? Whose son is he? They said to him, the son of David. He said to them, how is it then that David, inspired by the Spirit, calls him Lord, saying, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand till I put thy enemies under thy feet. If David thus calls him Lord, how is he his son? And no one was able to answer him a word, nor from that day did anyone dare to ask him any more questions. So not only did you come, this chapter end up being this, you know, the Sadducees and the resurrection, the greatest commandment, um, etc. But this one, this one, Jesus winds it up so completely, or puts him into a position with the Jews that they didn't want to ask anymore. It's good, better not to ask this guy questions. Now. We're fine with this. I, I, you're, you're Christians, for heaven's sake. You believe in Jesus Christ. You come to church. Um, 
you kind of like it when Jesus smacks the Pharisees around a little bit, then smacks the Sadducees around a little bit, and you say, yay, it's like seeing a Christian debate an atheist. You, know, you're, you're, you, you like to see the apologetics work. You like to read C.S. Lewis because a little smile plays across your lip as you realize he's just undoing everything they would claim to be true. But I want you to stop and try to get away from the apologetic aspect of this. The basic apology is that uh, how can he wants them to deal with who the Christ has to be if the Christ is the son of David but David speaks of him as his Lord. Because everything in descent is less than you. Somebody made that. I think John made the suggestion. Uh, and wise, I think. You know how I am a grandparent? Right? I am the grand drone of the drones club. I am a grandparent. What does that do? It's sort of like magnus. Greatness. There's parents, and then there are grandparents. What in the world do those children think by being called grandchildren? They're not anymore. They're worse. So that what was the suggestion? Subchildren. There are children, and then subchildren, and parents and grandparents. That keeps the the universe in proper balance. We want to be on the Lord's side here. We want to see the apologetic. We like having that embarrassment factor. Oh, look, they're embarrassed by Jesus. But when we start to examine it past merely the structure of the argument, how is he David's Lord if he's David's descendant? That relationship can't allow that to happen. How is this possible? There's only one way for it to be possible. If the Christ is a man, he is only a sub, 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 sub child of David's. How could he say, my Lord? Well, if he's not just a child of David's. They got that feeling. They said it was opening a window for them. Now, what I would like to do for the you guys who already believe, um, I'd like you to examine our own handling of questions like this. I, as you know, I, I consider one of the basic philosophic questions of everything is who's in charge here? If you can answer who's in charge here, you're on the way to figuring out most of your life. And so when we have the question of Lord come up, it's not just how can, because it's, it's resting on how can the Lord say to my Lord? We've got to know what we're claiming as in charge of us. Who's in charge of us? Who's in charge of this? Who's in charge of the body of believers? Who's in charge of this town? Who's in charge of, okay, who's in charge? And because we're confused and not um, not really healthy uh, in our question of lordship, we love calling him Lord because we don't have anybody 
else to be lords in our life. We don't have in Moscow. It doesn't have an upper class. I don't. We don't use those that, but we have upper middle. But we don't have any aristocrats. And we kind of miss that. We've been reading through Charles Williams's War in Heaven, and there's a character in War in Heaven, the Duke of the of, of North Ridings, and the Duke is very ducal. Very. And people who are listening to the book being read, they like the Duke quite a bit because it's something we don't see very often. We don't see lordship. We, we're, we're drawn to having a lord. Uh, what was the thing? Uh, was it at drones that this came up, Gun, Paul, about my lord? Yeah. I think we're going to be referring to me at the club as my lord. From the, somebody did it at the, that morning. I think they're joking, though. You know how it says in Peter, about for the women, it says, uh, as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, and you are her children, if you do likewise, and let nothing terrify you. You know, when Leslie and I were first newly married, and we're aware of that passage. She could, she could pull it off, but it was a little humorous. Yes, my Lord. A little curtsy. We like this because we're religious. So we, words like Lord, Ferris, Lord Jesus. We like the word Lord. We just don't like meaning the word Lord. Because what happens here in this passage is the next verse, which is in the next chapter. Then... Jesus said to the crowds and to his disciples. Now the scribes and the Pharisees, the Pharisees who went, okay, back away from this guy. This is a tough area for us to be in. Don't you understand that religion works differently than you're working it, Jesus, but you're making it impossible for us to be the kind of religious we want to be. So they back away from him, and Jesus said to the crowds and to his disciples, the scribes and the Pharisees sit on Moses' seat. So practice and observe whatever they tell you, but not what they do, for they preach, but do not practice. Now one is, what's going on with man in religion? Because we grant that we have decided that Jesus, not Siddhartha, is your Messiah. It's not Muhammad, he is not your prophet. Jesus Christ is your God. So you're in the room with the other people who claim Jesus Christ. We're doing this religion thing. We got a nice, down, conveniently wide enough side aisle, um, center aisle. We got pews, we got religious lights. We've got pointy windows. Now we gotta do some, us, do some religion with us ourselves. And we have to realize that once you step in the arena of having a God, all sorts of things can lie to us about how we, how we deal. And so Lord, the Lord says to his disciples, these guys might teach some truth things, but uh, you can't imitate them because they don't practice what they preach. Now, I was thinking, if you're a friend of mine on Facebook, 
And I don't comment much on Facebook. I have never liked something. And if you have a birthday, I don't care. It always says, do you want to wish so-and-so a happy birthday? And I just want to type in no. And not even my family. But occasionally I'll think of something and I need to put it out there because no one will publish me actually. So I, I get to be published. And I, this week, I, you may have read this, that I was making a comment about leadership in the church. And too often, as you know, I have opinions. Uh, so much so that I will get up at 6.30 on Sunday morning just so that I can hack out an outlined opinion of mine and talk for 40 minutes about it. I like opinions. I like my opinions a lot. Not fond of yours. What happens when somebody has opinions? One, they have them because they think they're correct. What do they decide they're going to do with them? Well, what's the point of having an opinion if you can't make somebody else hold it? Right? Well, why, are, why do we have pews lined up like this? So that the guy with the opinions can talk to all of these, you know, passive faces who are pretending at least not to be asleep. It's awful. We're just like the Pharisees. We jump over the task that right opinions are supposed to have. Right opinions about our God and Christ for the educated group of people who think they should be teachers is primarily to make their life faithful to Jesus Christ. Their opinions are supposed to make them holy. But we don't think that. We jump right over that. The Pharisees did it here. He says they might even be teaching faithfully inside the doctrines of the church. The Pharisees had very good ideas. That's why he can say, do what they tell you, but not what they do. And too often in the church, the evangelical church today, and I'm not talking about the churches that are not like ours, but the churches that are like ours. You're going to go out there in the world, you're going to go find some other town with another church, you're going to try to pick out a church. And one of the clearest things about a doc church's doctrine is how quickly they want to make it a movement, they want to make it big, and they want to make it total your loyalty to that viewpoint. And in reality, that viewpoint, if true, is supposed to be making the leadership of that church holy. Because what happens? We just saw this uh, nationally. Uh, Harvest, was it Harvest Bible Fellowship? Is that what it's called? Just had to fire their very, very, very famous pastor, Frank McDonald, James McDonald, James McDonald. Because he was a power-mad narcissist. Everybody knew it for years. I've been seeing notes come out of the, the war back in Chicago. And people turn around and do it again. People leave that very church and just, oh my gosh, this was a narcissistic pastor. I'm going to go start a home fellowship over here. And they do, and they become a narcissistic pastor. Because, of course, their ideas are right. And their ideas need first to be forced down someone else's throat. Now, I have some ideas. I have some very dangerous ideas. Peter will tell you how dangerous my ideas are. I should not be allowed out in public. I have ideas about, it's just end times. 
some young guys came over the other night and said, well, what are your ideas about end times? Well, because you've never heard them here in church. I have some ideas about my anthropology. I have ideas about, well, stuff. Let's just say stuff. Well, we've got a business here that we are trying to have views. Whatever your views are, you're under the same obligation I'm under with my views. As weird as yours are, as weird as mine are, they have got to make you pleasing to Jesus Christ. So that he can say to you, well done, good and faithful servant. How is it that my, my, my father always taught this out of Christ's teaching when they say, he said, uh, you looked at John the Baptist, who came not high eating or drinking, and you said, he has a demon. And the Son of Man came eating and drinking, and you said, behold, a wine bibber and a glutton. And two different, you know, lifestyle choices, both of them. It says, but wisdom will be known by all of her children. You've got a task to reach a place. Your ideas, if they're not making you righteous, you're just like the Pharisees. You're just someone who's got ideas to shoot other Christians with. To either round them into your loyalty herd that encourages your ego and your group's ego, or it gives you a sense of other and you can battle them. Your task about your ideas is not the defeat or winning of your enemies. The task of your attitudes, your, 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 your beliefs, is to make you holy. How's it doing? If your ideas are said, well, I don't agree with you, Evan, on a lot of things. Well, fine. How's it doing in your life? Is it making you righteous? Or does Jesus have to look at you and go, yeah, you are kind of right about your views on the end times on this, but I'm not going to recommend that anybody imitate you. Now that's what has to happen first. Now the wonderful thing about this, if you aren't looking for churches um, in the rest of your life, and you'll have a lot of chances to find bodies of believers to fellowship with, um, have holiness of the leadership, not reputational holiness, but seeing it. In other words, it's probably not going to be the kind of church. Why, why do you have a mega church? Well, so you can't get close to the pastor. Why do you have a movement? So you can't get close to the pastor. The pastor gets all the goods, all the followings, all the loyalties, but none of the, you might say, no one's reading his resume or seeing his life. So what do they do? How do you, how do, if you're going to be the bad lordship in people's lives, which says, who's in charge here? If it isn't Jesus Christ, if you're not recognizing that he is Lord over David and should be Lord over you and Lord over your pastor and all the rest, if your pastor isn't recognizing, what's he doing? He is not practicing, he's not using his ideas to practice holiness, but he is using his ideas to make you practice holiness. So when someone isn't practicing holiness by their ideas and decides to make you a subject of their of their standards, they will be a lot stricter. Now why? Because they don't have to do it. You know that when anybody has a task they don't have to do, they don't mind going for rigor. They bind, verse 4, heavy burdens, hard to bear, and lay them on men's shoulders. Because well, it's the old Ambrose Bierce definition of the Christian. 
one who believes the Bible to be the entire word, inspired word of God and admirably suited to the spiritual needs of his neighbor. That's what we're about. We forget that this is you meeting a Lord. When you became a Christian, you met a Lord. That was you were bowing the knee and you were saying, Jesus is Lord, I am accepting a, a God. So we go about doing other things with Lordship. Becoming, essentially, our own Lords in our life. Binding burdens for other people. But they themselves will not move them with their finger. We are always... Have you ever noticed this? Just <coughs> when you're struggling with your own problems. Just, just say, you're not sufficiently desiring to please God in your own life and you've got some issues. How, how brilliant you can be about the issues in other people's lives. I mean, you know, I really think they need to... It's always the they, them, those. They ought to do something different. Not, Lord have mercy on me, a sinner. I have done that which is not pleasing to you, and I need to be pleasing to you. Whatever views I have, if I'm not rejoicing in the walk I have with Jesus Christ, even if things are going sideways, I need to be rejoicing in the walk I have with Jesus Christ, and that's got to be the result of my ideas. If anything should correct your ideas, it should be the absence of the Christian life when you actually plug in your ideas. If you were checking your life, for joy, peace, patience, etc. So it's not happening. Well, you know, that's what happens when wrong ideas get applied. So what do they do? To make religion work, you have it be about the other person. And how much they need to come on board with your ideas and show their sincerity in making them Lord, your pastor Lord, or your, your denomination Lord, or your confession Lord, whatever they're asking you to give up your idea of Lordship to. And so they're going to make it intense, hard. What does it say? Is that in Colossians? I'm thinking of, maybe, I'll take a quick look. I have a Bible up here. Uh, What does it say? They, this is chapter 2. These have indeed an appearance of wisdom in promote, promoting rigor of devotion and self-abasement and severity to the body, but they are of no value in checking the indulgence of the flesh. Those are, it says, why do you submit to regulations? That's right before them. Do not handle, do not taste. Well, that's what religious people who are not involved in their own righteousness and are involved in your righteousness are going to make a hard row for you to hoe. And they will ramp up the do not handle, do not taste, do not touch. And it will look righteous because it will be self-abasement. It will be severe. It will be rigorous. And the apostle says it is of no value. Now either you're going to believe the apostle. Either you, you know who the, your Lord has given you for authority. Or you start believing these religious yahoos who are running around creating a separate lordship under the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And it might be doctrinally exactly where you like to be. 
But if it is not making them holy, don't be there. Because they're, they're needing to make it more religious. What else did they do? Verse 5. They do all their deeds to be seen by men. For they make their phylacteries broad and their fringes long. Now both of those are, you know, the phylacteries business uh, was a bit of a, a stretch, a misunderstanding. Uh, in the uh, Pentateuch, the, the Lord talks about Deuteronomy 6, about tying the law to, as frontlets between your eyes and upon your hands. And so what they did was, because they're good religious people, they, they got little boxes and they would tie them with pieces of the law inside them to their forehead. And by the time you get down to Christ, that's 1,400 years later, you know, you, and the fringes, the fringes are actually, com, you know, commanded. They're supposed to have blue, blue tassels or something at the corners of their robes. And so they did. And, and so they were going not only, not only for uh, um, doing it, but making sure that nobody missed it. Their fringes long. Because how am I going to... When people are not giving the Lord his due in their own life, to where they are rejoicing to be made holy by the work of Jesus Christ and their own submission to him, they're making up religion and they've got to collect something from religion. We collect... And God is merciful to us. And to the degree you feel better because the windows are pointed... You know, I, you know, I know if they were just regular casement, you know, windows or something, you know, uh, sash windows, you wouldn't feel as holy. And I know that, and we can be forgiven for that. Just keep your eye on it, it's going to get out of hand. It'd be nice if we could have some stained glass of me and my youth at various places. Now, we, we know that those things have, we, we want to keep our eye on this big tendency to within the confines of our belief system, not some cult, but our own actual set of beliefs, people picking up a different path and a different case for lordship and a different award to the soul. They are getting the award to the soul that all men look for in all things they do. The pride of life and religion is just a great place to do it. They love the place of honor at feasts, verse 6, and the best seats in the synagogues, and salutations in the marketplaces, and being called rabbi by men. Rabbi. Just means teacher. Oh, but... <laughs> You got it. You know, I don't know. I, I, I've been a pastor for a lot of years. Uh, every once in a while, I get unnerved by somebody new who comes to church. They're looking around for how do you, what, what's the genuflect you do to the, to the holy man up front? You call him Pastor Evan, kind of personal and reverential. Pastor Evan. Or Pastor Wilson, which uh, frightened somebody in Bootsers years ago. Uh, my brother, who is also a pastor here in town, who of greater notoriety than I, 
And I was standing in line waiting for my coffee and the, the barista looked up and said, Hi, Pastor Wilson. And the people right in front of me just almost flipped out because they, is that what he looks like? That yeah, wasn't that. Wrong Pastor Wilson. So I don't, you know, there's a temptation to be called rabbi. There's nothing, if you call your math teacher rabbi, you're fine. The problem is, for people who are designing religion, they might be lords of the system. They want to walk around with as much reverence as they would If they were good, they would have given Jesus Christ. You are not to be called rabbi. Why? For you have one teacher. And you are all brethren. And call no man your father. Now, my kids called me father. They called their mother, mother. Because those are the actual words you use for that relationship. And it wasn't disobedience to this passage. Because we were not trying to... What would the, the, the church you're in starts to get a little icky if you move from rabbi to father in a spiritual connection. And it starts to begin, it starts to look more and more like they're up to something and lordship of Jesus Christ is not what they're up to. They're up to borrow his group dynamic, the Christianity he shaped, and bought with his blood, and they're going to go get, you know, some of the premium seats in the synagogue on his behalf. You go from teacher, he said, but hey, you have one teacher. How about father, closer, more hierarchical, relational? Nope, can't do that. You have one father who is in heaven. Do you want to remember this? I have one teacher. I have one father. And when you're really going for broke and you don't want to have Jesus Christ be Lord, you want your group and your doctrine and the pastor's teaching to be Lord, you had better start thinking in terms of calling you, them calling you master. Neither be called masters. What, I got a master's degree in sociology? Well, too bad. I'm sorry for you. But that's not a problem. Master's degree in math, masters, masters of fine arts, you can do that too. It's not, the Lord is not weirded out by certain words. He's weirded out by people who are stepping into your life spiritually and want to take your Lord from you. And by not having had your, your Lord and their Lord affect their life in holiness. Because if Jesus Christ had affected the teacher's life and holiness, he wouldn't be this kind of bastard. You have one master, the Christ. And so for, we, for the rest of us, now I'm a, I teach and I've done it for years. So I've got to watch out for certain things. But all of us have got to make that decision. Are we here to please our Lord, and what is what I am learning from my Lord supposed to be doing? It's not to make me more informed to correct other people. It's not me being me, me more right so I can win the arguments. It's me being right so that my life will be changed. I'm trying to please my master.
Now, I don't, some of you have a Roman Catholic background. They still call priests fathers. I do not. I know, I know your Christians will, oh, you, that sounds impolite. They identify as fathers. That's their preferred, what is it? Pronoun. Pronoun. It's basically said, politeness is more the Lord of the system than Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ just told you, don't do that, especially with religious people. I am not father, I am not master, I am not rabbi. You have one rabbi. You have one father. You have one master. And we, we need to get to that point where the lordship question is no longer, no longer an apologetic we enjoy watching Jesus Christ do to the Pharisees. And more of a reminder that, you know, a king of Israel was realizing that his descendant was going to be his master. Realize who your lords are. Who do you obey? If I have to obey the politeness of the system, you're at a new church, it's evangelical, teacher is really dynamic, he has, you know, he shaves his head, maybe, sits on a stool, head mic, really gifted with people. But the thing is, you call him master. Maybe they're just not familiar with this passage. Don't do it. It's a great time to find out whether or not Jesus Christ is your Lord. Do you do what the Lord said or do you do what the church said? Because your right opinion about the Word of God, wherever you're learning it, you're reading it in a book, you're reading in a conversation, a Bible study, a church, wherever you are learning things, you should be pulling it all together and saying, okay, I've got to put this in the engine of my life, where things happen in, in me, so that I would be pleasing to God. Now, consequently, there's going to be a lot of Surprises on the last day. Now you know me. I'm not a, I'm not post-millennial, and I'm not uh, optimistic about human history. I don't think it's going to get worse. I'm not dispensational or anything. I, um, I don't want you to find out too much about my eschatology. Uh, but I have a very dim view of the religious affections of humanity. I have a very dim view of the evangelical church. I agree with them about their claims about Jesus Christ. I agree with their desire to pre preach the gospel, but I think there's just an awful lot of the lordship of Jesus Christ just being ignored. Just not there. They'd rather spend their time fighting with other evangelicals on something nonsensical because it's all about their lordship. Are they in charge? Is it just not enough for you that your ideas made you holy? If your ideas made you holy and your ideas made your children holy, your wife and your children, as the Queen of Sheba said to Solomon, happy are your wives for such wisdom. Could they say that to you? Happy are your roommates. Happy is your spouse. 
Happy are your children because you have been changed by the ideas you have in Christ. That lordship has made a difference where it matters. We'll have a lot of surprises on the last day. I was thinking, and you probably thought of the passage yourself. I have it, uh, my, one of my little ribbons in this portion of the Bible, Matthew 7, right at the end of the Sermon on the Mount. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Not he who makes other people do the will of my Father who is in heaven. Not, the, not we, the, the people who've got the most people committed to doing the will of God in heaven. No, the person who does the will of God. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, cast out demons in your name, and do mighty works in your name? And the rhetorical answer is, yes, you did. They, you can design a pretty convincing religious experience in the next town you go to. It's got miracles going on, casting out demons, teaching Bible. But the words Lord's Lord does not make a difference because where it makes a difference is whether or not you think your ideas are to fix someone else or your ideas are to fix you. Then he, I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you evildoers. Because God is concerned with righteousness. He didn't die so that you could be bossy. Now some of you, more than others, have a bossy, bossy pants. You know, natural capabilities. I like, I have ideas. I, I have a natural interest in ideas. and That could be a real temptation too. We have got to remember, when a Lord enters your life, it is to tell you what to do with you. And when he tells us what to do with us, it's sort of the opposite of what we want to do for the sake of pride of life and our gains in the church. He who is greatest among you, verse 11, shall be your servant. Whoever exalts himself will be humbled. And whoever humbles himself will be exalted. It says that in Philippians. Is, Have this mind which is yours among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. Your mind is supposed to be like your Lord's, humble, giving yourself up, not hitching yourself up to tell people what to do, what to think. I'm happy to tell you what I think, but I'd rather have you say, yeah, and we're looking at how it turned out for you, Evan. If, yeah, when every time you, you announce what you think, realize you're pointing at your life and your heart and your kindness and your love and your patience with the saints, and you're happy to say, my beliefs made that. That might convince them. Or I could just forget about living what I teach and just get into good arguments where I make them believe what I teach. Humility is follow Christ, love one another. I suppose that sums it up. Let's thank God. Dear Lord, we're grateful. 
Keep us from following ourselves and naming it after you. Keep us from serving our own advancements. Encouraging ourselves with how many people we can get to agree. Lord, we'd ask that we'd learn from you and be changed into the holy people you ask of us. Your death, your resurrection, we ask that it would have real power in each of our lives. We would stop messing around with not being obedient. Thank you for this morning. In your son's name, amen.